بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله and welcome to this podcast series of a commentary on Nahj al-Balagha brought to you by Mizan Institute واصطفى سبحانه من ولده أنبياء أخذ على الوحي ميثاقهم وعلى تبليغ الرسالة أمانتهم So after discussing Prophet Adam uh, and his creation and what happened to him and his story and how he was he he descended to earth so to speak of course with all the discussions we had there of whether he descended from heaven and paradise or Jannah of hereafter versus him just being a guard in a garden that he had to leave etc we had these discussions before the details were covered there are different opinions in that regard so after all of those details of his story uh, here the imam moves on right away to discuss how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he chose and appointed prophets from the descendants of Adam alayhi salam so he says وَاسْتَفَى سُبْحَانَهُ مِنْ that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose from his progeny from his descendants it says min uh, wullihi and some of the nahjul uh, balaghas that we have they write it as waladihi it seems like min wullihi would be more appropriate here but anyway he chose and appointed from them and biya prophets from his descendants now these descendants they Allah took from them an oath uh, regarding the revelation so what is that oath of course that they will receive the revelation from god no matter what they will register it they will preserve it so this is the oath that allah took from them that you're going to take care of and preserve the revelation that comes to you and what did also allah take from them he took an oath from them in regards to them making sure that this risala, this message that they have been entrusted with is transmitted properly to the people. One point to note here is that right away when we are done with the story of Adam alayhi salam, Allah, uh, the Imam speaks of how there are prophets appointed and chosen. So this shows the importance of prophethood when it comes to the creation of mankind. And it also shows that uh, you can't have a people that are, don't have a prophet with them. So that's one point that kind of shows itself here. Another point is that it says Allah chose from the wuld and the descendants of Adam salam prophets. So he didn't choose from the, for example, angels, prophets to go to the people, messengers to go to the people and be in direct contact with the people. But rather it says Allah chose these descendants from the descendants of Adam prophets. And so the reason for that is one of two things. Some have said that if people were to follow prophets that are angels, they would turn around and say, why should we follow you, O angels? You are super beings that are much higher and greater and stronger than us. And so because there's no compatibility here, why are you telling us to do that which we have to do? Why do we have to follow your footsteps? In other words, the people won't follow prophets if they are angels, if they are not from amongst them, if they're not from the same race and species of the human race than them. So that's one point that some have pointed out. And others will say that um, even if, because this is, I personally think this is a point to think about. So what if uh, messengers of God were to be angels that were in direct contact with us? So what if that was the case? 
Uh, I personally, when I think about it, I'm like, yeah, that is a thing that if angels were prophets, we probably, it would be harder for us to listen to them because we would object to the fact that they're different than us. So why should we follow them? How can they tell us what to do when they don't know what we're going through and how hard it is for us? That's true to an extent. But at the end of the day, we have free will, we have intellect and aql. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were to send angels that are telling us what he wants from us, and what he doesn't want from us, I think that would be enough to um, not leave an excuse for any of us anymore. But there's another thing here, and the Quran has pointed it out as well. And that is Surah Al-An'am, verse 8. It says, And they say, Why has not an angel been sent down to him? Were we, sent, were we to send down an angel, the matter would surely be decided and they would not be granted any respite. In other words, and this is something that Mufassirin have discussed, that if Allah was to send angels down in any way, send them down to the Holy Prophet and people see that angel, or the angels come down straight to us, then that is going to mean that we have absolutely no excuse anymore to go against the will of God. And if that was the case, that we did go against the will of God, God would not grant us any more respite at all and would destroy us right away. In other words, you've seen everything. When you see everything and all the veils have been removed to the point that you see an angel and the angel speaks to you directly, then the least amount of disobedience of God equals your destruction because you have absolutely no excuse anymore. Right now, we can't see the ghayb. We don't have access to the unseen. And so we make mistakes and all of that. And so God lets us off the hook. He gives us more respite. He gives us more of a chance and opportunity to come back and change our ways. But if an angel was to come, then that wouldn't be the case. So that's, I think, uh, a stronger argument to make, that God chose these angels from the progeny of Adam salam for this purpose, that that's what it's supposed to be like. And we have other verses that also point this out, that prophets are chosen from amongst their people, the prophets speak the language of the people, etc. So it's total compatibility there. So there's absolutely no excuse on the day of judgment for us to turn around and say, oh, we we uh, there we have we should be excused for not following the prophets. God gives us all the time we need, and He sends the prophets from amongst us, and so there's actually no reason to uh, to doubt them or object uh, to or reject them. Excuse me, um, especially if we are seeing their miracles directly, and that is the case with the mushrikeen of the past that they would see the miracles of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala through these prophets yet they would still turn away. God still gives them respite, still gives them time. But on the Day of Judgment, they won't have excuses anymore. So, وَاسْتَفَى سُبْحَانَهُ مِنْ وُلِّهِ أَنْبِيَاءَ أَخَذَ عَلَى الْوَحْيِ مِثَاقَهُمْ وَعَلَى تَبْلِيغَ الرِّسَالَةِ أَمَانَتَهُمْ One more point here um, is that it says that Allah took an oath from them. Allah made them promise to him that they are going to do their part when it comes to receiving the revelation and preserving it and also transmitting that to the people. Another question that comes up is this, that where was this oath or promise taken? Um, and I think that it seems to safe, it seems safe to say that this, was, this oath was taken in that life before this life, if you are of the opinion that there was a life before this life. I'm referring to Alam al-Dhar, the realm of Dhar, as they say, where we were also, we had a life that we were living, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, according to the Qur'an, 
it says that he took an oath from all of us. In Surah Al-A'raf, verse 172, the very famous verse, it says, So it, uh, the translation says, When your Lord took from the children of Adam, from their loins, their descendants, and made them bear witness over themselves, he said to them, Am I not your Lord? They said, yes, indeed, we bear witness. And so the verse goes on. So some might believe that the oath that was taken from the prophets is the same place and the same time that the oath was taken from all of us. When Allah asked all of us in a previous life, am I not your Lord? That is one opinion in all of this. That is for the ones and those who believe that there was alam al-dhar before this that we lived in. This is an important point here. But if you don't believe that these verses or this verse, Surah A'raf 172, is a literal one, is one to be taken literally and is rather one to be taken metaphorically. And that it means, and it's saying that uh, an oath was taken, is, has been taken from us, not really in a life before this called Alam al-Dhar, but God in our creation, the way we've been created, the way He has put the fitra in us, the way He has put that inclination towards Him, an acknowledgement of Him in us, that is as if we are testifying through our the nature of our existence, the way we've been created, through our fitra, we are as if admitting that He is our Lord. Not that this actually happened. So let me just go back really quickly, really, really quickly, two opinions here. Some will say that the verse that talks about alam al-dhar is to be taken literally. There was a life before this one that Allah made all of us testify that He exists, to testify that He is our Lord. And it is in the same place that Allah also took an oath from the prophets over receiving revelation, preserving it, and transmitting it to the people. Another opinion here will say that no, no, no. The verse that speaks of another life before this one that some refer to as Alam al-Dhar, that verse should not be taken literally. There wasn't another life before this one. But rather, the verse is a metaphorical one, just letting us know it's as if God took an oath from us. If that's the case, then him taking an oath from the prophets will be something similar, which means that it's as if Allah, is, when he gives the prophets infallibility, gives them special knowledge, gives them, chooses them, and gives them a solid fitra, let's say, through all of these means, it's as if he's taking an oath from them. The fact that they have this special, something special from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that normal people don't have, that itself is bringing on, unto them responsibility, accountability. It's binding on them for them to step up to the task because of the ma'rifah they have of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because of the knowledge they have of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they have to step up to the task and accept the responsibility of receiving revelation and transmitting it to the people. Now, one last point regarding this little excerpt here where it says um, that Allah took an oath from them. There's two types of prophets, two and as a result, two types of oaths that are taken. Um, there are the normal prophets, and then there are the ulul azm prophets. Those special prophets, those chosen ones that are the five highest prophets of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, which are our prophets, sallallahu alayhi wa prophet Muhammad. And then we have prophet Nuh, prophet Ibrahim, prophet Musa, prophet Isa. The Qur'an mentions how a very firm 
uh, oath was taken from them. It doesn't just say, oh, we took an oath from them. It says a very firm and very serious oath was taken from them. This is Surah Al-Ahzab, verse 7. It says, When we took the pledge from the Prophets, okay, that's a general pledge. And also, remember the time where we took an oath from you, O Muhammad, from Nuh, from Ibrahim, from Musa, from Isa, we took a mithaqan ghaliva. Ghaliv means a very harsh, rough, serious, in this context, very serious, very firm oath. And so the translation says solemn pledge. But ghaliv really means something that is very hard, very harsh, very strong. So very strong oath. So wherever, whatever your opinion is on Alam al-Dhar, that the people may give an oath, there was also prophets who gave a normal oath, and then there were some Ulul Azm prophets, those major prophets uh, that gave a very special uh, oath to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, so the khutbah goes on now. It says, لَمَّا بَدَّلَ أَكْثَرُ خَلْقِهِ عَهْدَ اللَّهِ إِلَيْهِمْ فَجَهِلُوا حَقَّهُ وَاتَّخَذُوا الْأَنْدَادَ مَعَهُ وَاجْتَالَتْهُمُ الشَّيَاطِينُ عَنْ مَعْرِفَتِهِ وَاقْتَطَعَتْهُمْ عَنْ عِبَادَتِهِ Okay, so it says, this, these prophets were sent as a result of what? Why is there a need for Allah to send prophets? Now we have to remember, when those initial prophets came, when those first prophets came, and I would say the first of them being Prophet Adam himself, السلام, it wasn't like there was a huge sharia, a huge religion, organized religion with all of these laws that they had to go by. It seems that there were very basic tenets and teachings of the of religion back then. And Allah sends the prophets to just remind the people of this. In other words, I want to say this. It seems that the prophets that were sent in the beginning, they were prophets that came to remind the people of what Allah had embedded in the people themselves. The thing that they had in their fitrah, the understanding that they had in their fitrah. These prophets came to make sure that the people are reminded that they have to live up to that which Allah has put in them. So you'll find that they'll come and they'll tell the people that they shouldn't steal the money of the people. They shouldn't, cheat, they shouldn't cheat the people in their transactions. They shouldn't uh, have more than one God, etc., etc. Things that probably, even if there was no religion, you could understand on your own. These prophets came to remind these people. It just seems, don't take the life of someone else that is innocent. Things like that. And so we see the first of people that came after Adam السلام, were his own sons Habil and Qabil and Qabil kills the and takes the life of Habil in that famous story where they both have to make and the Quran speaks about this as well um, when they are making a sacrifice to Allah the Quran says the sacrifice that was made one of those was accepted by Allah the other wasn't Qabil told Habil I will kill you now this is probably out of jealousy why? Because Allah chose him over him. So I will kill you. And so Habil says, whatever you do, I'm not going to reach out my arm and my my hand to kill you, to fight you, to hurt you. So right from the get-go, you see that the people are making mistakes and are going against the teachings of God and what God wants from them. And so, the, and so this part of the khutbah is saying this is why God sent down the prophets. Because right from the get-go, the people, starting from Habil and Qabil, I want to say, 
although this is not specified by name, they're not specified in this part of the khutbah, but this is my guess, that right from the get-go, Habil and Qabil, they showed that they need they need help. The people need help. They need prophets to be with them. They need prophets to remind them and so on and so forth. So it says, Lamma. Lamma here shows that this is the reason for it. Because of, due to the fact that most of, you see it says most of, it doesn't have to reach a point where all of the people are disobeying God, but even if some of them or most of them are going against God, there will be a need to send prophets. It says because and due to the majority of God's creation doing what? Changing that oath that they had with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the promise that they had towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They went against it. And as a result, jahilu haqqahu. They were negligent of and neglected God's haqq and right over them. So God is our creator, brothers and sisters. And so naturally he will have a right over us, a haqq over us. We owe him everything because our existence comes from him. The blessings we have come from him. So we owe him for sure. But when you go against the oath that you have with God, yeah, you become ignorant ignorant of this. You become negligent of this. The fact that you owe everything to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They were negligent of the haqq that he has over them. They, in other words, they didn't acknowledge his haqq over them. Now what happens is when you don't look at God in this way and see him as the one who has favored you, who the one whom you owe everything to, then what happens is you're going to look around for others. And so it says, They had Allah. And the Quran does say if you're to ask them, who, did, who created the heavens and the earth, they will say Allah created it. But next to him, ma'ahu, with him, alongside him, they took other partners as well. And that comes from nid. Nid means something that resembles something else. So they took others as God, next to Allah, next to God. So these... Shayateen now, and I would say that there's a whole sequence here. First, you change, you, you go against the oath that you had with Allah. As a result, you don't acknowledge His Lordship. You don't acknowledge that you owe Him everything. As a result of that, you will look for others that can also you can put next to Him. And as a result of that, once you're vulnerable enough and weak enough, the external enemy now can easily manipulate you and uh, penetrate your existence. And here, here it says... So as a result, the shayateen and the devils. Now shayateen here in its general sense, sometimes shaytans can be the jinn from the jinn. Sometimes they even can be from the from the people. Anyone who is a is a is a trouble, is a problem, is a shaytan. And so the ones who affect our akhirah in a negative way, for sure, they can be labeled as shaytan. So it says that these shayateen turned the people away from the ma'rifah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A person shows enough vulnerability, as a result the shaytan or shayateen will take advantage of that and will turn this person again away from the ma'rifah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that which we are after in this life. We are in this life, as one of the ahadith says, the, the ultimate goal of us in this life is to gain ma'rifatullah, cognition of Allah, understanding of Allah. As a result, we fall in love with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But 
if we are messing up like the way that this part of the khutbah is saying, then the shayateen are going to take advantage of that. And so when you don't have ma'rifatullah properly, you're not going to have ibadatullah properly. You won't worship God properly. This, I think, uh, many scholars will say this, that you have to have a basic ma'rifah of Allah. As a result, you will worship Him based on that ma'rifah. As a result of the worship that you do, more ma'rifah is gained through Allah's grace. The more ma'rifah you gain, the more worship you do. So it's these are two supplements to each other. Worship and ma'rifah. Ibadah and ma'rifah. So if you don't even have the ma'rifah to begin with, the proper ma'rifah, you're not going to have the ibadah properly. Here it says that the shayateen, they take advantage of this opportunity and they will turn the people away from the ma'rifatullah. As a result of the people not having ma'rifatullah, what happens? They cut them off from his worship. When you're not worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala anymore, then you're in big trouble. And so what I want to say here is that they are taking away from us the purpose of our creation. The purpose of our creation is to come into this life and slowly gain a ma'rifah of Allah so that we worship Allah and obey Allah and are obedient of Him and serve Him throughout our lives. So we're here for this. But these shayateen are taking advantage of our vulnerability. As a result, we're not doing that which we were created for. And so that's why فَبَعَثَ فِيهِمْ رُسُولَهُ وَوَاتَرَ عَلَيْهِمْ أَنْبِيَاءَهُ so as a result, Allah sent these prophets to the people and one after another, one after another, he sends his prophets. This just shows how much God cares about us. He doesn't just send one prophet and be like, it's all over, you know, I sent what I did what I have to do, you didn't do what you need to do, you're in trouble. One after another, Allah sends his prophets to the people. Why is he doing this? What is the what are they after these prophets? What are they after? Four things. Number one, fitratihi. For them to come and ask the people to live up to and fulfill the oath of their fitra to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah as it's as if Allah has taken an oath from the people through the fitra that He's given them. The God loving fitra that they have the inclination towards a one God that Allah has put in them. The prophets came, what did they do? They are now asking the people to live up to that. that Allah gave you this fitra, you know it, you know He's there, you know what He wants from you to an extent. And if there's anything extra from that which He's given you in your fitra, we will explain it to you as prophets. But you have to live up to this oath that you've given Him through the way He's created you. He didn't create you in a way that you're not inclined towards Him and then you have to figure it, figure it all out on your own. He didn't create you in a way that you are turned off by the notion of God unless unless you change it. No. So that's what the, that's the first job of these prophets. Allah has blessed all of you with so much material and immaterial blessings. Okay, the fact that okay, all of the material blessings, we don't need to get into that. Uh, how Allah has created us physically, how He provides for us, etc., etc., etc. How you know He He has designed us in a way that we can live normal, convenient lives. Yes, in a material world, there's always going to be some hardship, some suffering. Those are inevitable. That's just what a material world entails. But all in all, it's not like we're born with eyeballs on our feet, on the bottom of our feet. You know, everything is in its in its place. There will be exceptions to this when. 
some things go wrong, but all in all, the design and the default of the design is one that allows us to have convenient lives and to live comfortably and try our best to uh, do what Allah wants from us. Those are the physical blessings He's given us, the material ones. But then the immaterial, the fact that He's given us such a soul, such a fitrah, and something that allows us to secure for ourselves infinity and eternity, which is the akhirah. That is the greatest blessing, actually, if you think about it. He has given us something limited that can secure for us the unlimited. Wow. Okay, so... These prophets came to remind the people that this is what you have. Don't sell yourselves short. And these prophets, they came also to, to leave no excuse and to complete the hujjah, as they say, over the people. What is that hujjah? Tabligh. The hujjah of tabligh that we transmitted to you whatever we were supposed to transmit. We did our, our job. We did our diligence you had to do your part, which was follow us. Now, if you did, alhamdulillah, if you didn't, you're in trouble. You don't have an excuse. God can hold you very accountable for your misdeeds. And finally, This one is one that I always hear Ayatollah Jawadi Amuli bring up when he speaks, that it's an important one, that they are here to uncover that which Allah has put within us, has put within our minds, but it is now... It is now hiding deep under the soils of our existence and our minds. It's a metaphor here. It's as if we have buried the teachings of the prophets, the divine teachings that Allah has instilled within our fitrah. We have buried those 10 feet deep under soil. So what is the job of the prophets? They are there to unearth, dig up, uncover the teachings that Allah has put in us. That which we already had in us, but we've covered with loads and loads of soil, so to speak. The soils of negligence, heedlessness, ghafla. Yes, So we have um, the famous verse, that Allah has inspired us with good and evil. We know at least some of the good, some of the evil. But the people, they allow their desires and their pleasure-seeking selves to hide and cover up that which Allah has put in us of identifying and discretion of good and bad, good from evil. Or else we all know helping the needy is good. We all know stealing and cheating is bad, and so on and so forth. We know all of this, but at the same time, we go against it, and slowly the soil and dirt of our misdeeds covers that which our uqul have in them. And so although it's there, it's, it's, it's buried very deep, and so it's not accessible anymore. It doesn't have an effect, an impact on us any, anymore. That's the problem. The prophets come and they brush away and dig away uh, this dirt and soil so that we are revived. And that which Allah had inspired us with directly, He gave us directly, alhamaha, fujuraha wa taqwa, that can resurface so that we are, it's accessible for us and we are affected by it. That's number four. And finally, وَيُرُوهُمْ آيَاتِ الْمَغْدِرَةِ They are here. They also came to remind us and show us and bring to our attention the signs of God's magnificence and greatness and glory. Magdira comes from قُدْرَة and power and strength, okay? So the fact that... Uh, 
there's a sky which is raised over us. Min saqfin fawqahum marfu' A sky, a seal. Saqf means ceiling, but a ceiling that is above us, that is risen up high. Wa mihadin tahtahum mawdu' The earth that is placed beneath us, and all of the bounties of this earth. Wa ma'ayisha tuhyihim A means of living that sustains us, keeps us alive. Tuhyihim comes from hay, life, gives us life. Ajalin tufnihim ailments or excuse me deaths that make them die deadlines and expiration dates let's call it that when those uh, expiration dates arrive we die ajal comes from ajal okay it's that it's that it's a period of time and moment that has been set that we're all going to pass away that moment that comes that takes our life these are all reflecting allah's power or else we would be able to change these things, flip them totally upside down, right? We could uh, avoid death altogether. We could stay alive without having to have a means of livelihood, but we all need to be sustained through our livelihood, you know, and so on and so forth. Um, ailments and hardships that turn them old. That is also a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The fact that we, whether we like it or not, Slowly, 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 our bodies move towards deterioration. They move towards weakness and feebleness. And eventually we die as a result of that. And incidents that successfully uh, betake or befall them. That's what the translation says here. So all of these things are reflecting of something out there. A deliberate intellect and mind and intention out there. And these prophets come and remind us that, look, this is reflecting that. What does a sign do? A sign reflects a reality that's out there. The sign itself is not what all, where all the reality lies, but it shows you that there is a reality up and coming. There's a reality. There's something five miles from here, two miles from here. Okay, And so in this case, it'll be that the sign is pointing to Allah and the strength and power and might of Allah and also pointing to the afterlife. So this is the job of the prophets, brothers and sisters. These very basic things that we take for granted and we usually just pass by and overlook. No, no, they're here to grab us and point our focus towards all of these matters. لَمْ يُخْلِ اللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ خَلْقَهُ مِنْ نَبِيًّ مُرْسَلْ أَوْ كِتَابٍ مُنْزَلْ So here it mentions four or five things that Allah makes sure we are never, as a people, devoid of. It says, Allah never allowed His creation to remain without a prophet that He has sent. Or a book sent down from Him. Now, some prophets didn't come with books. Then that's why it continues. It says, or a book that has been sent down. Okay, so then some prophets are coming with these books. Some say, hujja here means one of the imams. If there's no prophet, at least there's going to be an imam. Some have said, hujja here means a strong argument um, that the mind can understand. So Allah can hold us accountable for all of these things. أو مَحَجَّةٍ قَائِمَةٍ Some have said it means a path that will get you to your destination. Uh, and usually they will say it's referring to the sunnah and traditions of the prophets. The ways that they have shown us, the paths and teachings that they have given us. Uh, that's one opinion on it. There might be some other opinions, but uh, I don't think we need to get into that. Now these prophets that God has sent down That he makes sure we will always have access to um, 
either them or their teachings reach us. Rusulun, these are prophets. La tu qasiru bihum qillat bihim qillat tu adadihim. They, even though they are small in number, that is not going to get in the way of them doing what they need to do. They did not feel little because of smallness of their number. It says here. Or or the fact that they have so many people that are rejecting them and denying them, this also wouldn't get to them. They wouldn't let this get to them. And as a result, they carry out their their the oath and they fulfill the oath that they had with their with, the, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we talked about at the beginning of this part of the khutbah, where it said that Allah took an oath from them. So it doesn't matter if they're small in number, their enemies are large in number, they do what they gotta do. من سابق سمي له من من بعده أو غابر عرفه من قبله. Now these prophets, they are either pointed out and determined by a previous prophet, or they are naming the one to come after them. And so this is pointing to one of the ways a prophet is determined. If a previous prophet that you're sure is a prophet lets you know who the one to come after him is. So sometimes a prophet can be is usually determined by a miracle that he brings by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes no, even if it's not a miracle, although theoretically speaking that might not be the case that we ever have a prophet that didn't come with a miracle and only was named by a previous prophet. But one of the ways is that he's named by a previous prophet. So either they come with a miracle or they are named by a previous prophet. Sometimes it's both. And so... Uh, all in all, Allah is going to make sure that the people can identify these prophets. Okay, so it said Allah sends prophets, make sure they're identified, make sure they carry out their task, make sure they do everything they need to do. You and I have to do our part and follow them. And so here, Imam Ali, he continues, he says, this is how it's always been. This is the tradition of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he reaches a point where he now wants to single out one of these prophets. And that is our holy prophet, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi, because he is special and above all the rest of the prophets here it's as if Imam Ali salam in the khutbah opens up a little chapter just for the prophet himself and dedicates it to him over the previous prophets that he spoke about so he didn't even Imam Ali in the khutbah he didn't even put a difference between the normal prophets and Ulul Azm prophets we did when we were explaining it all in all he spoke about the prophets and how there's a need for them and why Allah sends them and what they are fulfilling and how they promised Allah everything. He says all of that and all of that applies to our Holy Prophet Muhammad as well. But then he wants to give us some more details in regards to the Holy Prophet to set him apart from the rest to show that what a blessing the Holy Prophet was to us. And I think, brothers and sisters, what we take from that is how important it is that we understand what the blessing we have and how important it is for us to follow the Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi. All of this inshallah in the next session. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.